Pastor Leon and his wife Sheila founded Gospel Tabernacle Church in 1982 in the heart of Lawrence, South Carolina. Since then, the Lord has richly blessed and increased the ministry and family of Gospel Tabernacle Church. Here at Gospel Tabernacle, we believe in the power of the Word of God to change the hearts and lives of believers. Gospel Tabernacle is a family church ministering to the whole family through the charismatic teaching ministry. Today's message will grow your faith and draw you close to the Lord as you open your heart to God's Word and His Spirit. Hallelujah, hallelujah. We have that victory. Everybody say, I have the victory. Oh, I've got the victory in Jesus Christ. Thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through Jesus Christ, our Lord, 1 Corinthians 15 and 57. There it is. And so, thank God, thank God, thank God for what he has done in our lives. Let's make our confession today as we go before the Lord. If you brought your Bible, let's hold it up and we'll confess today. Everybody say, this is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. And I can do what it says I can do. Today I'll be taught the Word of God. I boldly confess, my mind is alert, my heart is receptive, and I'll never be the same. I'm about to receive the indestructible, incorruptible, the ever-living seed, the Word of God, and I'll never be the same, never, 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 in Jesus' name, somebody shout hallelujah. Amen, amen, hallelujah. All right, key in, log in, whatever you have to do, or open up or turn the pages and head with me toward Mark's gospel Chapter 9 is where we're headed. Mark's Gospel, Chapter 9. Let me get there myself, make sure I'm ready. Mark's Gospel, I'm sorry, Matthew's Gospel. Matthew. There's a difference in Matthew and Mark. All right. I'm going to share with you today, and probably for the next uh, number of several Sundays, we'll be talking about this. Today, I'm going to talk about one topic, the Lord willing, today. But I'm going to talk to you about what I'm calling the big picture. I have found that the study of scriptures is a lifetime endeavor. And you can get into the scriptures and studying this portion or that portion, this subject and that subject, and, and you can just dwell there forevermore, it seems like, and without plumbing the depth of God's Word. But I want to show you basically the big picture today. You know what that is? You sort of step back and you look and you see the whole thing now, and you've got an understanding comprehension. I'm not going to take you into it by detail, but... I want you to see the big picture of what is going on that God is doing in the earth today and what he has always been doing uh, with mankind. We're going to look at some of that today as we do. And so primarily when we think about the big picture, you're talking about the gospel. What is the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ? What is the gospel of God? Everybody knows what gospel is, right? You know that means good news. And so we're looking at the good news of the Father God, the good news of what He is doing in your life, my life, the good news of what He's doing through Christ Jesus, through His death on the cross, His burial, and His resurrection to life again, and what He's now doing through Christ in our hearts and our lives. So we're going to be looking at that, that gospel just a little bit. In Matthew's gospel, Matthew 9 and verse 22, I want to just read you something there. The Bible says, speaking of this woman, you know the story about this woman that had an issue of blood. And she hears about Jesus, and she comes to him and uh, where he is at. And he, of course, has many, many people around him. She doesn't get right up to him at first, but she makes her way that way. And verse 922, the Bible says, But Jesus turned him about when he saw her. She's already received from God at this point. Jesus knows that virtue has gone out of him. And he turns around, and he sees her. 
And he said unto her, Daughter, be of good comfort. One, one translation said in the book of Mark, I believe it is, be of good cheer, be of good comfort. Your faith has made you whole. And the woman was healed or made whole from that hour. Your faith has made you whole. Everybody say, her faith made her whole. Her faith made her whole. The most valuable thing you have today is not money, houses, or cars. The most valuable thing you have today is your faith. Your faith is the most valuable possession that you have. And her faith made her whole. Now, what was her faith? If we look back, we see in verse 20 that she had said, spoke about her having an issue of blood 12 years and came and touched the hem of his garment. She touches the border of his garment, one translation says. Touches the hem of his garment. Verse 21, for she said within herself, if I may but touch his garment, the hem, I'll be made whole. You're there in Matthew, back up just a few pages to the book of Malachi, the last chapter of the Old Testament, or last book of the Old Testament. And so if you just back up a few pages, you'll be there in, in Malachi chapter 4 and verse 2. The prophecy was given by the prophet Malachi, who said, But unto you that fear my name, verse 2 of, of Malachi 4, My name shall be the Son of Righteousness, arise with healing in his wings, and you shall go forth and grow up as the calves of the stall. But the Son of Righteousness, arise with healings in his wings. It's not talking about a bird. It's talking about wings in the Hebrew. Look it up. All you got to do is click on it if you've got a... Electronic version that does that. Click on it, and it's the edge. It's the border. The edge, the border. Healing in his wings. Healing in the border. Healing in the wings. It's like I've got a shirt on this morning here, and and there's a border. There's a part up here. This is whatever the neck is. It goes all the way down, and down here at the bottom, at the tip end of it. That's the border. That's the end of it. That's there. And so she's touching the border of his garment. Why? Because the Bible said the prophet spoke in Malachi 4, 2, that the son of righteousness would arise with healing in his wings. Her faith was there's healing in the hem of Christ's border. And if I just touch it, I'll be whole. Somebody say amen. She was acting on the word of Almighty God. She was acting on the good news. There's healing in the hem of Christ's border of his garment there. If I touch it, I'll be made whole. For she said, if I touch it, I will be made whole. And so some people have this mystical idea that somehow that she's there in the day with Christ, that she's walking around and also just touched him. Woo, I got something. I just touched him. No, Jesus said, there's a lot of people around me. The disciples said, you see people everywhere thronging you. And you're asking who touched you? There was somebody touched her specially, not because that she was so-called special to God, which, of course, she is, and all of us are, but not because of that alone, but because she had read the prophet Malachi, said there is healing in his wings and tip the border of his garment, and if I touch him, I'll be made whole. She was using her faith based on the gospel or the good news that she has heard about Christ Jesus. Now then, you're there, look at Matthew chapter Four, Matthew 4 and verse 23. In Matthew 4, verse 23, the Bible says that Jesus went about all Galilee doing two things, teaching in their synagogues, teaching in their synagogues, and preaching the gospel. What's he preaching? Somebody tell me. He's preaching the gospel of the kingdom. 
Here's how it works. Here's what happens. This is the good news that you're now hearing. And, and so Jesus spent his life not trying to overthrow the Roman government, although the Roman government was oppressing the people at that time. That wasn't his mission. He was overthrowing something a lot greater than the Roman government. He was overthrowing the devil's government on them. That's what he came to do. He didn't set his sights low just on the Roman government. No, much greater than that. He went to the force and the root and the power behind the Roman government, the very devil himself. That's the, that's the kingdom that he's overthrowing by preaching the gospel or the good news of the kingdom. You're there in Matthew 4. You don't have to turn there, but Matthew 24, verse 14, the Bible says that this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world for a witness, and then the end shall come. It doesn't say some people mistakenly thought that the rapture shall come. Not the rapture. The end, it says, end, not the rapture. You preach the gospel, so the gospel is going to be preached now, and then the rapture takes place. And after that, there's seven years of tribulation. The gospel is still preached then. Then after that, there's a thousand-year millennium. The gospel is still preached then. And at the end of the millennium, at the end, at the end, at the end is what he said. This gospel will be preached to all of the world, and then the end shall come. And so what we're about doing right now is preaching the gospel. That, that's your mission. That's my mission. That's our goal. That's our purpose in life. We are continually preaching the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, turn with me to Mark chapter 16. Let me show you how vital it is. It, it is not something that you can say, okay, that's great, Pastor. Let's walk away from that and let's do something else. Well, I'm about to go a little bit different direction, but I want to emphasize this very strongly first. It is vitally important what you do about the gospel that you hear. The blessing is in the doing of the gospel. The blessing is not in just the hearing of the gospel, but in the doing of the gospel. Doing something about what you hear. There is what the, the blessing is. Again, in Mark 16, verse 15, he said unto them, Jesus speaking, or, or telling us that Jesus speaking, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel. So what are we we're supposed to be preaching? We're supposed to be preaching the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. In, in, in seminary, they, they taught me in those days their version of preaching. And their version of preaching was have one text and never touch another place in the Bible. And from that one text, have three points, a poem, a song, and an illustration. And the sadder the illustration, maybe if it's something about your dog dying or something, the better off you're going to be. And for them, that was the gospel. But maybe the first part was the gospel. But your dog dying ain't the gospel. Amen? I can give all kinds of illustrations. I have on my shelves in my home that I've played over the years, I've got about 14 books of illustrations. Some of them have 12,000. One of them has 40,000. One of them has 30,000. 15,000. Just tons of illustrations. I can get all the illustrations I want to get. But what I've learned is this. I don't need to illustrate it. What I need to do is preach the gospel. If I, it's a gospel that will change your life. Not me making you feel sad or making you feel sorry or making you touching your emotions. That's not what we're about. We're going to touch your spirit, not your emotion. And it's the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ that will do that. It is so poor, important. The last thing Jesus says in Mark chapter 16, so vitally important, he said, go to all the world and preach the gospel. To every creature. This is what you do. Go preach the gospel, this good news, to every creature. Now, look what hangs on it. Look at verse 16. He said then, he that believes and is baptized, he that believes the gospel, acts on the gospel and being baptized, believe and acting on, shall be saved. Your eternal salvation depends on what you do with the gospel. 
Because a person that believes and acts on the gospel is a person who becomes saved. And he that believeth not shall be damned. That's the choices that you and I have. The gospel is preached. We can believe it and be saved, or we can reject it and be damned. It's just that clear. I can't make it any clearer. Jesus made it clear enough. I won't add to, I won't take away from what he said. The truth of the matter is, somebody said, well, what about this person or that person or, or this religion or that religion? Or who People have maybe honest hearts or different kind of things who are not in the gospel, but in some wacky, kooky kind of religion around the world or crazy things they get involved in. What about them? I say the same thing to them. I say to me and to you that you can believe the gospel and be saved or you cannot believe it and be damned. It's just that clear. It is an absolute fact. There is no way around it. The world doesn't know anything about absolutes today. They, they make everything dependent upon this and dependent upon that. No, sir. This is an absolute fact. You can believe the gospel and be saved, or you can doubt the gospel, reject the gospel, not believe it, and be damned. It is just that clear. So then, let me get into an overall view of this gospel. And bring us to a place this morning where we can understand this good news that we are being given. Turn me all the way back to the book of Genesis, chapter 1, verse 1. Let's go back to the future, if you will. Genesis, chapter 1, that we're going to look at here in just a moment as we get there. This gospel that I'm talking about, I basically have four parts to it. Okay? I'm going to make it very simple so we can see the big picture. We're going to see God's creation. We're going to find out what God's intended created purpose was for man and what he wanted you to be in the original. Have you ever bought something around your home or something? And maybe you bought a couch or a sofa or a chair or whatever you want to call it. And, and, you, and you bought that and you put it in your house. When you got it out, it had the plastic on it. And you took the plastic off and it looked great. It was all brand new. But, you know, you sat on it a little while and it began to sag in a certain place. Anybody ever had anything like that? Boy, and you say it just got comfortable, right? It ain't sagging. It just got comfortable. It adapted itself unto uh, uh, my uh, physique or whatever the case might be. And, and, and then, then, then that little creature that's around your house, that little cat, he got up. He saw that um, couch, that sofa, that chair that, that you had. And, and that little cat who, who is, is Ray and Kay's best friend, that cat comes there and he starts clawing on that thing. And he claws on that thing and he tears it and he pulls the thread. And, and it don't look like it used to. And then a little bit later on where you used to get in there and you just clean that thing every day, you skip the day that next day. And for long, you're skipping days and you're skipping days. Finally, you're getting black. I need us a brand new cow. We need something else. Let's get that thing out of here. But what has happened to it? It's departed from where it was originally. It's not like it was. And when I, I come into your home and I say, well, I want me a couch. You know, I want me a sofa at, at my house. I'm tired of sitting on this five-gallon can. I've got to, I want me a couch. I want something that I have, you know, that way I got this couch, can't go anywhere, I can't go to the beach, I've got this couch, i got this, but anyway, you might have heard that a long time ago, but anyway, that kind of thing, and I'm wanting a couch, I'm not going to look at that older couch, that couch has been through wear and tear, and been through the cat claws, and all, I'm not going to look at that, that's not the couch I want, I want one like it was originally on. And what you need to look at in your own life, in my own life today, what we need to look at is, not, not just to fix us up, but I want to be no, made know-how to make us brand new. Back that new creation that God had for me in the beginning. What was God's design and desire for me in the beginning? What did God want? That's where I want to be. So we're going to talk about God's creation, but then we're going to talk about Satan's deception. 
I'll get more into that. Then we're going to talk about Christ's substitution, and we're going to talk about our restoration. All that is to come. But this morning, I want to dwell in Genesis chapter 1 for a little bit. And so if you've got your Bible turned there, click there, what are you going to do? So you sort of follow me around a little bit. Most of the time, I'm going to be there in Genesis. Look at Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. I don't know when it was. I don't have a time frame on it. don't know. Uh, the Bible said, I tell you, but the Bible doesn't say. But somewhere in the beginning, God creates the heavens and the earth. Now, now notice what it says. As we continue on just a little bit, we're not going to read the verses, but you can see them for yourself. In verses 3 through 5, God brings light onto the earth. He, he brings light. The, the, the earth has been through a judgment, verse 2, and there's darkness over the face of the deep. And now he restores the, the light to the earth. And in Genesis 6 through 8, he restores the firmament. That's, that's another word for an expanse. He divides the water. The earth is covered with water. There, there's no water up in the clouds, and so he divides it. He puts some water up in the clouds, and he puts some on the earth, and he divides it and gets that operational back again where it rains, it comes down, evaporation takes it back up, and it comes back down again. He, he restores that system that he does in verses 6, 7, and 8. And in verses 9, he, he brings forth dry land. Remember, it was covered with water in verse 2. But now he brings forth dry land, grass, trees, vegetation. I mean, he, he's doing a work on, on planet earth here. And verse 14, he regulates the sun, the moon, and the stars and says they're for times, they're for seasons. He gets them all going right in verses 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, and 19. And then finally, in, in verse 20 and 23, he creates the fish and the birds. Fish and fowl, some people say. But the fish and the birds are bringing new life onto the earth there. And you see that word that he creates them again. The word creates used in Genesis chapter 1. It's used again here in verse 20 when he creates the fish and the birds. And then finally, on the, the sixth day, God creates the animals. Think about that. After he gets through creating the animals, then he creates you. You and me and the animals were created on the same day. God can get a lot done in one day, can't he? It's hard for me to get the grass cut in one day. But anyway, he can do a lot in one day. He creates the animals, mankind, and brings light, uh, light onto the earth. Right in Genesis chapter 1, verse 24 through 31, it's all there. Why is he doing this? Why is God creating the earth? Why is God bringing light on the earth? Why is he bringing vegetation on the earth? Why is he creating these fish that are in the seas and the rivers of our, our world? Why is he creating these birds that fly in the air, the beautiful birds that we see? Why is he creating all of these animals that we enjoy that are on our earth? Why is he doing all this? Why is he making the earth as he is making it? He has something in mind. The earth wasn't just made and by accident you popped along and came along. There was a designer for the earth because he had in mind... You and me. The Bible says in Isaiah chapter 45 and verse 18. You can see it. Isaiah 45 verse 18. For thus saith the Lord God that created the heavens. God himself that formed the earth and made it. He established it. He created it not in vain. Like you find in Genesis 1 verse 2. He didn't create it that way. He created it not in vain. Without purpose. Without form or without fact. He did not do that. He formed it to be inhabited. God says, I am making a place for this creatures that I'm about to make. And they have to have somewhere to live. And so I'm going to make a lot of good things for them. And, and if you look at our world that you and I live in, there are a lot of beautiful things here on planet Earth. 
You may have been to some very nice places, seen some nice things. And it talked about that thing about Chimney Rock that we just saw. We go up there. That's a beautiful place to go. It's a wonderful. It, it is so beautiful here on, on the earth that, that literally, I don't know how many, probably hundreds of thousands, if not more than millions, uh, go and visit there every single year. It's, what is it? It's earth. It's earth. It's something that our Father God has created for your enjoyment and your pleasure. He made it for us. He didn't make uh, you or, or, and then brought on the earth. No, he made the earth first so it'd be ready for you. If you've been to the oceans or the beaches and you look out there and you see the beautiful sunsets of there, I remember many, many years ago, um, Sheila and I went to the uh, ocean at Litchfield Beach uh, in South Carolina. And it's a very, you know, exclusive beach that the, the company that I worked for at that time, they owned a condominium down there. And, and when they owned it, they, we got to go anytime we wanted to go. And so uh, we went down, and we were in this great big, you know, fifth-floor condominium that they had and top, and it had a mirror, uh, not mirror, but windows at the end of the bed where we were at. Windows were down there, about 24 feet long worth of windows. And when you woke up in the morning, if the drapes were pulled on those 24 foot of windows, all you could see was ocean. All you could see was sky. When you, it was a beautiful place to be. I mean, they literally manicured the grass around that place. It was a beautiful place. And there's a lot of beautiful places like that you'll find around planet Earth. There's a lot of them that are there. Some of them are on 746 Burncore Road, Lawrence, South Carolina. That's the most beautiful place I know, and that's why I don't like to leave it. But it's a beautiful place. It's a beautiful place that God has given. He made it to make you happy. He made it to give you some enjoyment. This world is made for you. I know that the devil's crowd takes a lot of things and tries to turn it to, you know, ungodliness and wickedness. You know, he does those kind of things. That's what he does. But that's not what you and I do. That's not we, what we do. We enjoy the things of God that God has given to us, and we enjoy them in righteousness and holiness. Somebody say amen. Amen. Bless the Lord. It's a wonderful place that God has given us. Well, then. Let me show you something in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. When God makes this man and woman that he makes, when he makes them, T-H-E-M, when he makes them, he puts them in charge of everything that he's made. It's yours. You can do with it what you want to do with it. You can use it the way you want to use it. It is yours. It's exclusively yours. There is an adversary, we'll talk about later, named Satan, that he thinks it's his, but it's not his. It's mine, God would say, and I'll give it to whoever I want to give it to. And he gives it to his man that he has made. The Bible tells us in the book of Ecclesiastes, I think in the book of Psalms as well, it talks about the heavens are the Lord, but the earth have he given to the hands of man. You and I own this place. Everybody say, I own this place. It's mine. We own this place. Now then, in Genesis 1 verse 26, God said, let us, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost. If you look in Genesis chapter 1 verse, and, and verse 1 verse 2 and verse 3, and you see all those three verses, you see the beginning God created the heavens. Verse 2, you see the Spirit of God moving on, on the face of the waters. And in verse 3, you'll be seeing God said, which is God's word, you see the Father, the Spirit, and the Word all involved. So let us, let us, the Trinity, make man in our image. Let us make man in our image. And notice, our likeness, let them have dominion. Let them have dominion over the fish 
of the sea, over the fowl of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps upon the earth. What I'll bring your attention to now is, of course, what, what happened to the serpent. When the serpent walks up, talks to Eve. Serpents don't walk and talk today. But then when, they walked up, when he t- walked up and talked to Eve, uh, God cursed that serpent, and the serpent is down on his belly now, creeping on the earth. So you are in charge of that creep. Amen? Because he's creeping. And we're in charge of everything that's creeping. Okay? Verse 27. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he them. And God said, in fact, God said, let me get where I'm supposed to be. God said unto them, Be fruitful, multiply, replenish the earth, and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Have dominion, have control, have authority over everything on the earth. That is God's plan and purpose for you and I. No wonder, no wonder the Bible tells us in 1 John chapter 5 that we are overcomers, world overcomers, by our faith. We are overcomers in this world. Everybody say, I am an overcomer. I'm created to rule and reign. That's why when all this stuff, government tries to make itself pretty high and mighty sometimes. And that's why when you really got the Spirit of God in you, you're not just looking to jump on everything the government says do and everything they say do in your life and everything they tell you to do. Government is not in charge of our lives. Somebody say amen. Amen. God's in charge of our lives, and we're in charge of this place. Now then, notice, I want to show you something. In the the Living Bible, it says this, Then God said, verse 1, Let us make man something like ourselves to be master of all life upon the earth in the skies and the seas. You are to be the master. We are to be the master. I have a dog at home. He is a sheepdog. What else would you expect a pastor to have? But he is an old English sheepdog. I am his master. Sometimes you might not know it. But anyway, I am his master. And you are created to be a master, the Bible says in Genesis 1, verse 26, in the Living Bible. Verse 27 says, So God made man like his maker. Everybody going to believe the word of God? Say amen. You've been made like your maker. Like God, did God make man? Man made, did he make them? And God blessed them and told them, multiply, fill the earth to do it. You are masters of the fish and the birds and all the animals. I'm not master of other people, but we're master of God's creation. You are a master. If you haven't heard that lately, you're hearing it now from the Bible. You are a master. You have dominion. In the Message Bible, the Bible says in verse 26, God blessed him and said, prosper, reproduce, fill the earth, and take charge. Somebody said, the world sure is in a bad shape. Why is that? I know why is that. Because man has not taken charge. Somebody say, take charge. Take charge. Uh-uh. We don't have to do everything they tell us to do. Mm-mm. No, 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 no. I'm not advocating be against the government. I'm not advocating, you know, do something unlawful or unjust, not by any stretch of imagination. But just because they said does not make it so. Just because they said you're a man and you can call yourself a woman, that don't make you no woman. Not because they said it. Mm -mm. You You know what makes a man a woman? Your chromosomes. If you have XY chromosomes, you are a man. 
if you have two wives, you are a woman. Case closed. Follow the science for them. That's just where it's at. And no matter what you try to look like and act like, you know, you, you, you'll never, ever be satisfied because the inside, you're going to be exactly what God created you to be. That's just the end of the story. Now then, look, look again in verse 26. Notice, he said, let us make man in our image. Somebody says, what does God look like? Well, what do you look like? Well, I got a head and I got eyes and ears and two arms and a body and a couple of legs here and some feet and whatever. That's my image. How do I know? Well, I go into the mirror and I look and I see my image. I know what it is. God's got an image. You're made just like it. That's what the Scripture says. We are made in the image of God after, I make them after our likeness. I'm made to be like God. I'm like Him. Again, the Living Bible says, let us make man someone like ourselves. God, what God is doing, when God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost come together to make man, God, keep, keep this in mind, He's wanting to reproduce Himself. You are that product of reproduction. Adam was called in the book of Matthew when it gives a genealogy and Adam who was the son of God. God is wanting to reproduce him in his image to look like God and his likeness to act like God, to be like God. Now, he's not God, okay? I'm not saying. But we are a God class of being. Somebody say, are you an animal? No, I'm not an animal class of being. Are you a fish? No, I'm not a fish class of being. Are you a bird? I'm not a bird class of being. Well, what kind of class of being am I? I'm a God class of being. I'm made in an image. I'm made in his likeness. If that's a little hard for you to accept, read the scripture. I'm not going to change one single word of it. That's what he said. We're made in his image and his likeness. Uh, the message Bible said, let's let us make human beings in our image and make them reflect our nature. God created human beings. He created them, message Bible, God-like. That's what we are. We are to be like him. Why is it that we can be in our churches and we can sing faithfully, as we should? To be like Jesus, to be like Jesus, that's all I ask. To be like him, what is all through life's journey from earth to glory. To be like Jesus, to be like him. We are. Your prayers have been answered. Somebody say hallelujah. Your prayers have been answered. We are like him. God made us like him. He created us like him. That's what he wanted to do, and that's what he did. God wanted a being he can have relationship with. He can have fellowship with. And God doesn't have a relationship with a bug on the wall. God doesn't have a relationship with, with, with some dinosaur or something else. God has a relationship with a human being. He didn't come down in the cooling today and, and to walk with the giraffes. He came down in the cooling today to walk with the man and woman that he had made. He wants relationship. He wants fellowship. Look, look at verse 7 of Genesis chapter 2. In Genesis 2 verse 7. The Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground. How would you get your body? It came from this earth. That's why that when you die or leave your body, there's three kinds of death. You know that, right? 
three kinds of death. First death is to be absent from the body, to be present with the Lord. Philippians 1, verse 27, I believe it is. To be absent from the Lord. To be absent from the body, to be present with the Lord. And so whenever your spirit leaves your body, your body dies, goes back to the earth, but spirit goes to God that gave it. Then on the other hand, the Bible said in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 2, that, that sins, you are yet dead in your sins. So if we are sinful, God looks at us as being spiritually dead. Spiritually dead. And then the Bible tells us in the book of uh, Revelation chapter 20, he tells us there that uh, the lake of fire is the second death. If I die in my spiritual wickedness and my spiritual sin being dead to God, if I die that way, then I'm cast into the lake of fire for all eternity. That's the second death. It's eternal death. There's no escape from that death. If I'm here today and I'm in my sin, spiritually dead, there is an escape right now. And it's called Jesus. You can escape. But after you leave this body, there, there is no second chance. Right? No. no, no. And, and so when we look in Genesis 2-7, God formed man of the dust of the ground. He's made of earth. You and I are made of earth. I wonder if that's why as little children we made mud pies and wanted to eat them. Didn't think anything's wrong with it, didn't they? What's wrong with eating a mud pie? But, he, but anyway, formed man of the dust of the ground, and he breathed. Here's something different. Didn't come to earth. God breathes now. That's not earthly. You're made of earth. This part of you is made of earth. But the inside of you is not made of earth. Because God says that he, he breathed and the, from his nostrils of man. He breathed in him the breath of life. My spirit today that keeps me alive is God-given. God breathed into mankind the breath of life. And the Hebrew here has that word life in the plural, the breath of lives. That when he breathed into Adam, then Adam and Eve would come together. And when they would produce a child, reproduce after the, a godlike child that God wanted them to produce. When they would do that, that spirit that's inside of Adam and Eve would merge together and would go into that child. And it came into that child, and 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 finally my grandfather, and finally my grandfather, and then finally me. That's, I, I've got that same spirit that God has breathed life into me. I have that spirit this morning. You do too. And so it's this thing. How many alive? Wave your hand at me if you're alive. Better alive? Wave your hand at me. Wave. All right. Okay. All right. Look, somebody called the mortuary. I think we've got two people not alive. But anyway, everybody else is alive. I always say that. Sometimes when I see the morticians in town, I might be somewhere sitting around. Sometimes at the barbershop, I'll be sitting there, and the mortician will come in, and I'll see him, and I might be sitting like this, waiting my turn, you know. When he comes out, I make sure I'm moving. And I just I said, I'm still moving. I'm still moving. Don't pick me up right yet. I'm still moving. But no, we're alive. And you know why you're alive? Because you've got God's Spirit on the inside of you. God's the Spirit that he gave to you, but it came from him. You've got God's breath on the inside of you. That's why everybody... Hungers after God. Sometimes they misplace the God they're hungering after. Sometimes they'll label it something else. Sometimes they'll go after some other gods, quote unquote, of this earth, in their effort to, to find that relationship that they're longing for that's inside of them because God's breathed His Spirit into them. And so Adam and Eve become people who have the Spirit of God breathed into them, made of this earth, placed in this beautiful garden to be like God in his image and in his likeness. Look at, look at Genesis 2 verse 8. And the Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden. Notice he planted a garden eastward in Eden. Planted a, I hope he had some good red tomatoes. 
like Harry and Rick have given me lately. I hope he had some good, he probably did. He planted a garden eastward in Eden, and there he put the man whom he had formed. You were made to live in paradise. You were made to live in the wealth and the riches of God. My created purpose. That's why man has in him this desire to strive to do more, to be more than himself. To, to have more than what he has. And you have to properly channel that in life. We don't let it go in areas of greed or anything like that. But we certainly look to that next level that God wants to take us to. Because it's built in. I, I, I'm, I'm not built, maybe, to live where I was living or to do like I was doing or have the lifestyle I had. I, I'm, I'm built for this. There's something in us that cries out for that. God placed him in Eden. Verse 9, out of the ground the Lord God made to grow every tree that's pleasant to the sight. He didn't plant you in a bunch of ugly looking trees. Well, what's the stuff you see? I mean, I, I see some of this stuff on the internet, that kind of, what's this gothic stuff people do? Or they go in these dark villages and dark briar infested forests and make themselves, you know, black from head to toe with different makeups they put on and the clothes that they wear and different things they do, gothic kind of look. You, you weren't built for that. You were built to live in a paradise. Amen. You ever went to somewhere really expensive and you, you settled down there and said, now, hmm, now this is the life. This is it now. I think I found my place. I've done that before, and I found my place. About five minutes later, I said, all right, I'm done with this. Let's get on and do something else. But I don't want to sit still. Verse 9. Of the ground, the Lord God calls to grow every tree that is pleasant to the sight, good for food, tree of life, also in the midst of the garden, and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And so he puts in this beautiful garden. He gives them, look at verse 15. He gives them a purpose. He said, the Lord God took the man and put him into the garden of Eden to dress and keep it. All of us need something to do. I found this out over the last number of years of pastoring here at church is this, is the people that are doing something complain less than the people that do nothing. People that don't do something complain a lot. It's easy to look and see what someone else is doing something and you don't like what they're doing. But it's, you don't complain that way whenever you're the one doing the task. And you see the ifs and ends and buts and bouts about it, you know, that kind of thing of what's going on and the challenges you face and you strive to conquer those things and make things happen. You know, you, you, don't, you don't do it then. And, and so God gives us purpose in life. There is a plan for our life. There is a purpose. Genesis 2.15, the Lord God formed us and put us in this garden to dress it and to keep it. Word keep has an understanding of, uh, of defending it against that rat, the devil's out there. But we are to dress it and keep it. We have purpose in life. There is something for us to do. Don't ever stop doing. If you stop working at one job and, and you go to another, that's fine. If you get to a place in life where you don't want to, you know, work at a job anymore, don't stop working just because you don't work at a job. Keep working on something that you want to do. Keep working on something that you enjoy doing. Keep on working on something that, that blesses you. When, when I read this many, many years ago. Many people uh, who are self-made millionaires, they become millionaires after, after their 50s. After their 50s. And so if I'm, if I'm looking at, you know, retiring way, way early in life, I'm just cutting off my opportunity to, to walk in that great blessing because people become millionaires after, 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 after into their 50s. So, you know, if, how many plan on living a long time? Somebody say amen. Well, have something to do. Have purpose. Have plan. And because God created us that way. Now, look at Genesis 2.19. Not all that. You are created with tremendous intellect. Tremendous. The Bible says, Out of the ground the Lord God formed every beast of the field, every fowl of the air, 
brought them to Adam to see what he would call them. And whatsoever Adam called every living creature, that was the name. So why do we call animals what we call them? Because Adam said, that's their name. Now, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm not into science and biology and all, a lot of those things as a specialty. And I read somewhere where there's like over half a million species. Adam had to be there quite a while naming each one of them, didn't he? I, you know, how many can you think of? I get giraffe and elephant and horse and dog and cow and pig, and I'm about out right there. I go down to the Columbia Zoo, and uh, not on Bull Street, the other one. I go down to Columbia Zoo, and I might find a few more that I add to it. But half a million. My, the intellect that God created in mankind. You ought never walk around and say, well, I'm just dumb, or I'm just stupid, or I just don't know anything. You should never, ever, ever do that. Don't listen to what the world says about you. Somebody say amen. And some of us might have our struggles to, to, to get past those kind of issues in our life. I mean, Sheila, when we first started dating, her favorite expression was, she said, you think I'm dumb, don't you? I said, no, I don't think you're dumb. And she would say that uh, numbers of times, you think I'm dumb, don't you? I said, no, we, we don't think you're dumb. Why do you say that? Well, because, you know, she growing up in school, she had a speech impediment problem and that kind of thing. And she'd go out to special class. And when she went out of her class in a special class for speech therapy and that kind of thing, uh, people would laugh at her and point at her and say, you're dumb and all these kind of things. And so sometimes when you hear things coming up, you know, it sort of attaches to you. And you're sort of saying those things about your own self. And so when she and I countered, she said, no, no, no. And so she stopped saying that. She quit saying that. She found out how smart she was, how brilliant she was, how, how, how much she really knows and how great her intellect is. And so whatever you've heard about yourself in the past, you don't have to keep saying that about yourself. No, 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 no. You can start saying what God says about you. And God has given mankind tremendous intellect. Everybody say, I have tremendous intellect. I have tremendous intellect. No, no, no. In Genesis 1, verse 28, notice this part. God blessed them. God said to them, be fruitful and multiply. How's Adam and Eve going to multiply? They're going to have to reproduce themselves. That's what he told them to do, multiply. Multiply and replenish the earth. Fill it again. Replenish the earth. Subdue it. Have dominion over it. If you go to Genesis 2 and verse 21, Scripture says the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall on Adam, and he slept, and he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh instead thereof, verse 22, and the rib which the Lord God had taken from man, he made a woman and brought her unto the man. You know what her pronoun was? Her. Amen? That's one of the most stupidest things this world's produced lately. What is your pronoun? You idiot. I mean, uh, you know, with Brother Copeland, you say that's ignorance before daylight. And there's a lot of people, they make, they're just going crazy. What do you think my pronoun is? I give you one choice. You don't get that right, you know, what well, we're going to have problems. But, you know, you, you, you know. Just because you say you ain't he and you he, and you say you her and she, don't make you her and she. No, it don't. And you know it doesn't. Because you can have all kind of a, a surgeries and all kind of mental transitions and all kind of psychological evaluations in your, in your brain and your mind. And it don't matter on the inside. You still know you are XY or you are YY chromosome. And you'll never change that. Never change it. You change how you look on the outside. 
You can, you can change those kind of things about you, those kind of features. You can do some crazy, stupid things. You, know, you can nowadays uh, send them to our, you know, our educational uh, indoctrinational centers, uh, called schools, and you can go there and, and you can tell them, today I feel like a woman. I mean, you know, you might be like, what's that thing? Uh, uh, the candy bar that's got the two nuts in the Almond Joy. Sometimes you feel like a nut, sometimes you don't. Right? Well, on that day you felt like a nut and you told them you were a woman. And then they said, okay, we're going to give you these uh, hormone and these growth inhibitors and medicate you where you don't fully develop in the way that you were born to develop in and messing with you. And don't even have to tell your parents. I don't advocate violence, but they better than nobody ever had done that to my child. They wouldn't tell nobody else about it. No. It needs some men to stand up in America. Absolutely. I mean, some of this stuff is so crazy, it's unbelievable that they're doing. But no, he made a woman. He made a woman here. Look what it says. Adam said, this is now bone of my bone, flesh of my blessed. She shall be called woman. She was taken out of the man. Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother, cleave unto his wife. A man doesn't leave his father and mother and cleave unto his brother. Cleave unto his best friend, hunting buddy. He don't cleave unto him. He cleaves unto his wife. His wife and he shall be one flesh. That don't happen any other way than man and woman. No matter what they try to invent and destroy their bodies, it doesn't matter. It only happens one way through a man. You'll never be one flesh with anyone other than man and woman. It, 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 physically, it just don't work. Somebody say amen. You don't want me to go into that. But anyway, it doesn't work. Now look at verse 25. They were both naked and the man and wife, and they were not ashamed. They had no shame. You ever seen little children? One and two years old? What they like to do sometimes? Run around naked, don't they? She's naked. Get out of here. I tell Sheila, get up out of here. Get up out of here. I can't stand a look. But they don't care. They don't care. They don't know a thing in the world about it. Here, take my picture. No, they don't care. They don't care. They're not ashamed. Why? Because they are innocent. They're innocent. And, and, and so God says this, look, we, the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, have reproduced ourselves and made an Adam, a God-like person likened to us in our likeness and image. Now, Adam and Eve, you reproduce and make other God-like children likened to yourselves, likened to me. And that's what's supposed to be happening on planet Earth. That production goes that way. Don't be like my friend. Well, you can be like if you wanted to. But don't be like my friend Bernard Morris who's now in, in glory. If you're watching this morning, Bernard. But uh, like my friend Bernard Morris who had like 22 children. I said, I told him one day, but I said, Bernard, you have done your part, brother. You can stop now. His wife Diane said, amen. You have done your part. But God made us to reproduce in this earth. God like it's the same way to do that with your children. Your children come in. Don't get your children and say, well, I'm going to wait. The stupids the stupid that out there in our world right now say, well, I can't assign their gender at birth. You nut. You're crazy. You are an idiot. It's unbelievable that you'd say something like, you can't assign, assign their gender at birth. Can't you see? Have you never changed a diaper? 
And you can't assign their gender at birth. You've gone out of your mind. You are losing it. We need to set you aside and give you a biblical education. You've never had one. We need to just give you a natural education. Apparently, you've never even had that. No. You need to raise your children based on the sex that they are born as. Amen? Somebody said, what if we play with dolls? Well, I played with dolls growing up. G.I. Joe. But I didn't put a dress on him. <laughs> no, 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 no. Uh-uh. No, 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 no. You have power to reproduce just like God. What in the world has God given to us? What in the world am I? The psalmist said in Psalm chapter, who am I that God has made me to have this kind of dominion over the works of his hands? What is man, God, that you're mindful of him? My God, the creation that you are. Oh, my. I saw some people the other week, and maybe I'll get into this on, on this Satan's deception. And there are different major cities around America just hanging out on the street, waiting for their next shot of dope, waiting for their next pill they're going to take. And that's all they live for, to be starving to death. And you give them food, choice of food or a pill, and they'll take the pill. Give me a pill or give me some dope, I'll take the dope. And that's all. I mean, you know, it's just unreal, unreal. You know, we didn't used to have those things when I was growing up. One thing we did have when I was going up, that was called a chain gang. Everybody say, chain gang. All day long working on the chain gang. It's a song like that, chain gang, that song, working on, oof, ah, do, 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 oof, ah, do, do, oof, ah. Anyway, it's a song you had to go back and listen to it. Working on a chain gang. But no, man, you worked on that chain gang. Whatever you did, you didn't want to do it again. And nowadays, we don't have a chain gang. We get all the guys on the street now. Now listen, if there is somebody truly, a homeless person that truly went through a problem, a situation where they lost their home through a fire, their company burned down, or the economy went so bad, and all those, yes, there are some folks that need help. Absolutely. But all the people I'm seeing, most of the people, all of them I see, not one of them needing my help. Because my help is you need to quit smoking your dope, quit taking crack, all the other stuff you're doing. You need to straighten up, live right, and then I'm going to help you. But I ain't going to feed you to do your, keep on doing your dope. I'm not going to feed you to keep on taking drugs. Well, I'll be hungry. Just be hungry then. Sooner or later, you'll learn. Sooner or later, you'll... we all had to learn. Apostle Paul said, if they don't work, don't let them eat. Somebody say, amen. That's absolutely. So we can clean that mess up right quick. So what are we going to do about it? I get it cleaned up real quick. They just give you the authority to do it. You clean it real quick. But when the, when the nuts and the idiots take charge, then that's what you get. And then they shut down the businesses, and they can't make a living. And they burned out businesses, and they can't build it back. And they just walk in now. The big thing now is just walk in and stealing everything in sight. Just walk in and stealing everything you can find. Unreal, unbelievable that's going on. If America does not turn back to God in a hurry, America's had it. I mean, it has. We better move ourselves back to God. Somebody say Amen. That involves not just being churchy or being religious or saying, yeah, I did my part on Sunday. No, but when you leave this door today, recognizing who you are in Christ Jesus and what God's made you to be. I'm in charge and I have dominion. All right, now let's go real quick. I've got to bring us to a different direction here. Power to reproduce, just like God. 
created to rule and reign. Look, look at Acts 17, verse 28. You've got to see this unless you walked out and called me a skeptic today. Not a skeptic, but uh, uh, the other one. Acts 17, verse 28. For in him we live and move and have our being. As certain of your own poets have said, for we are also his what? You're God's offspring. You originated from God. You are God's offspring. And he says, for as much then as we are the offspring of God. We are. We ought not to think that Godhead is likened to gold or silver or stone, graven by art and man's device. Don't think about all these images being God. You're the offspring of God. If you want to think about what God looks like, think about you. You're the offspring of God. Stop doing the other things he talks about. We ought not to think that way. You're the offspring of God. Everybody say, I'm the offspring of God. Now then, recognizing that, recognizing that there's a lot of other things that we could go to and look at, uh, those kind of things. The thing I want you to see is this. Go back to Genesis chapter 2, verse 16. The Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden you may freely eat, but of the tree of knowledge and good and evil you shall not eat of it, for in the day that you eat thereof you will surely die. Notice there's two trees there. There is the tree of life that is there. There is the tree of knowledge and good and evil that is there. Both trees are there in the garden. They're told you can't eat of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, but you can eat of the tree of life, but you can't eat of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. They had not ate of the tree of life as of yet. At this point, Adam and Eve are going to die. Made, created by God. Because they ain't ate of the tree yet. And to prove that, when they sin and God kicks them out of the garden, He also keeps them away from the tree of life and takes it away so they can't eat of it. And what happens to them? They die. 930 years of age, Adam dies. They die, just like God said. And this happens to them. Man is completely different from the animals. Listen to this. We have thought and awareness of who we are. We have intellect. We have insight. When you think about an animal, an animal has something called instinct. Let me give you one difference. The animal has instinct. We have cats, and we got these two cats. They just showed up at our house some seven, eight years ago, I guess it was. And they showed up out in our garage. They were a little bitty at that time. And so he got them and took them to the house, or Sheila did, got them and took them to the house and uh, made me wait to get my lunch and fed them theirs and, you know, got them all ready, got a little box for them, put a little blanket in it, set them there, gave them some cream and gave them this and gave them that. And we all run to the store to buy all this little bitty cat food, brought it back, and, boy, she just doctored them and kept on them and took them to the vet and all this kind of stuff. And, and I noticed this. While those cats were just a couple weeks old, it wasn't long till I saw one of the cats taking a bath. Now, that's not a sin. It wasn't Bathsheba. It was one of the cats taking a bath. And, and this cat does this. He licks himself like this. I said, hmm, you're licking yourself pretty good. I said, you're taking a bath right there. I like this. You ain't like that dog that gets in the mud puddle. But you are li- you, you know, you're licking yourself pretty good about that. You're doing all right. I said, I got you, though, cat. You got a head. You can want me to wash your head one day, ain't you? And the cat keeps licking his head. And he licks his hand real good. And then he puts it on his head. And he washes his head. I never told him to do that. Sheila never told him to do that. His mama wasn't there. Mama cat wasn't there to tell him to do that. He got instinct on the inside. Something on the inside told him to do that. Something told him to do that. You and I, we're a little bit different. You can have a little child mess and poop all over themselves and don't care. They, they don't want to run straight and get a shower. They don't want to run and get cleaned up. They don't care. 
people have this thing called choice. Cats don't have a choice. They all going to do that. Every one of them. No matter what color the little cat is or what brand of cat he is, they don't, they're all going to do it. God put instinct in them. In you, he put choice. You have a choice to do what you do. Notice, he said that to them, verse 17, don't eat of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Don't do it. Don't eat of that tree. Turn with me to Luke chapter 9. That's why Jesus told us some things. Now you'll understand the language of Christ in the New Testament. In Luke chapter 9 and verse 23, the scripture says, He said to them, if any man will come after me, if, 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 not you all got to come after me. Or you all got to stay away. He said, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. For whosoever, anybody, you, me, anybody, it doesn't matter. Whosoever will save his life shall lose it. But whosoever will lose his life for my sake, the same will save it. For what is a man advantage if he gain the whole world and lose himself or become a castaway? What does Jesus now do? He says this. If anybody's coming after me, you're going to have to lay some stuff down and give it all to Christ. You're going to have to follow me completely and wholly. Not just a little bit, but all of you. And then verse 24, he said, whosoever wants to do this, come on. Come on, Whosoever. I mean, if you really do this, you'll think you're losing your life. But what he says is, you'll, you'll really find it. And, and on the other hand, if you just keep trying to hold on to your life, you don't want to give in to Christ, you're really losing your life then. He, he explains it that way. I wonder why he's appealing to the reason. And verse 25, he appeals to the reason again. He said, well, let me ask you this. Well, what, what has it going to advantage you if you gain the whole world and, and you lose yourself and you become a castaway, you lose your own soul? What good is that going to do you? Why is Christ the Son of Almighty God, why is He trying to persuade, to reason with us, and talk us in to receiving our salvation? Because He can't make us. He doesn't make you get saved. He doesn't make you live for Him. He tells you what the deal is, and it becomes your choice. That's the thing that God gave us in the garden, in Adam and Eve, that made us different than all the rest of creation. Son ain't got no choice. It keeps coming up. I know the climate changers of our world, you know. What did they say back in? I remember this. I remember the 70s. They told me the next ice age was coming. They told me we were going to freeze on planet Earth. They told me that that polar ice cap was going to get bigger and bigger and bigger. And finally, we'll be in the next ice age. I mean, they taught it to me, preached it to me, said it to me, all that. Then they said to me, they said later, they said, no, 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 no. We're going to burn up. It's getting too hot. This temperature is rising, rising. Now the polar ice caps, now they're melting. They're not going to get bigger. Now they're melting and you're going to burn up. Well, you know what? We, we didn't freeze to death. And we didn't burn up to death. So they changed it from the next ice age to, to, to you know, global warming. They changed it from those two phrases, climate change. So now, if it's a half a degree warmer today than it was yesterday, oh, there it is, climate change. If it's half a degree colder, there it is, climate change. But uh, you know what? This place ain't burning up or freezing up until God wants it to. And if you read the Scripture, you'll find out, this place, there is going to be some climate change one day. Oh, yeah, the Bible said there's coming a time when God's going to burn this place up. He sure is. There's going to be some global warming, but it ain't going to be coming from man. It'll be coming from God Almighty. And until that time, I'm going to be all right. 
Now, I'm not going to do anything stupid on this earth. I love it. I'm going to protect it and keep it the best way I know how. But I ain't going to be crazy about it. If I have to make a decision for me and a, and a turtle walking across the road, that turtle's dead. If it comes to that decision, oh, my Lord, my Lord, God help us. Look with me. John 14, 21. Jesus said this, He that hath my commandments and keeps them, he it is that loves me. How do you know if you love God? If you keep his commandments. What Jesus said. And he that loves me shall be loved to my Father. I love him. I'll manifest myself to him. And, and, and Judas says this. He's around. And he says to him, uh, How is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus answered and said, If a man love me, he'll keep my words. And my Father will love him. We will, love, and we will come unto him and make our abode with him. If you'll just simply be obedient to Christ. If you'll just simply say, All right, Lord, I've done wrong. I've sinned. I'm sorry for me of all my sins. Lord, I accept you as my Lord and Savior. I make you, Jesus, the Lord of my life. I'll live for you the rest of the days of my life. I'll do my very best. I think I'm going to do very well and very good because you're helping me. But if I mess up and I make a mistake here and there and different things go on, I know your grace and mercy is there to, to wash me clean once again and keep me in the righteousness of God. I'll confess my sin. I'll repent. I'll forsake my sin. I'll walk close to you, Almighty God. And then there you are. You're my Father and I'm your child. And His banner over me is love, if you remember that song. And that's what we're talking about. We're talking about that's our choices, our choices in life. You make the choice. God doesn't make it for you. You make it yourself. You, you could go on and on and on and on. I mean, there's many, many scriptures in the Bible that you could talk about. Let me just give you a couple. AJ, come on up. Let's sing us a little short song. We're about to get ready to go eat and that kind of thing. But uh, let, me get, let me give you one last one here. Moses said this in Deuteronomy 30, verse 19. He said this, I call heaven and earth to record this day against you. I set before you life and death. Blessing and a curse. Therefore, choose life that both you and your seed may live. All of us had to make that choice in our life. I made it in October of 1975. Sheila made it the uh, same day on a Sunday morning. We made it before we went to church that morning. As soon as we got out of bed that morning, we made that choice. And, and we've kept that choice current in our life all of these days, and the Lord has kept his hand on us. And we're very grateful for that. But he gave us that opportunity to make a choice, and God gives you the same opportunity. The Bible says in Joshua 24, verse 15, when Jesus said this, If it seem evil to you to serve the Lord, then make a choice. If you don't think it's right serving God, then go ahead and make your choice, whom you'll serve. Whether you're going to serve the gods of your fathers or gods of this world, serve them that were on the other side of the flood. If you want to serve all the heathen gods, you can do it, he says. Or the gods of the Amorites, if you want to serve them, you can. In whose land you dwell. But as for me, he says, Joshua says, as for me. And that's your decision. That was his decision. It's mine. As for me in my house, we're going to serve God. Notice he said, as for me in my house. Oh, Lord, you know what that means? That means when you bring salvation to your house, you bring it to everybody in there. That means when on Sundays and you go into church and little Johnny says, I ain't going. Johnny, you on your way to church, buddy. If you want to be able to sit down the next few days, you on your way to church. It ain't a question. It ne my children never questioned me, said, or do we have to go to church? They never said that. It was unheard of. We going to church. We going to church. I'm going to church more than we're going to school. I mean, some people say that about school. Well, you get up, you go into school, but come to church, well, I can't force religion on it. Well, why'd you force, you know, religion of the school system on it? You didn't have. Why'd you do that? Why'd you do that? Get real about this thing. You and your house. Me and my whole, we just started. When I got saved on Sunday morning, October 1975, as soon as I received Jesus in my heart and life, on the foot of my bed, there in the floor, my knees on the carpet of that floor in those days, shag carpet, there my knees were, and Sheila was still in the bed. And when I woke her up, and she said, what, what's going on? I said, I said get up, you got to get it saved. 
I said, get up. You've got to get saved. I, I made my decision. I'm going to heaven, and, and I don't want to go without you. I can't go without you. You've got to go. And I'm going. I ain't changing my mind, but I can't go without you. And you're going too. So get down here and start praying. And, and so in her sleepiness and mine as well, she was there, and she prayed a prayer, and we both accepted Jesus together in our house. Our house. Our kids, we did the same thing with them. We make our decisions. Don't let this government make your decisions. Oh, my. They, they want to make decisions for you. But you make them under the lordship of Jesus Christ. And the greatest decision you'll ever make in your life is, Jesus, I'll follow you. Because you know what? I'm going to bring you the rest of the story next week. The world right now is not quite like like I've described it this morning. The world is not. Notice my terminology. The world not quite like something happened. I'll talk about that next week. But this is what God wants for us. This is his best for us. This is our created way of living that God made us in form and fashion to live. You won't be happy any other way. Stay with me all over the building. Let's go before the Lord in prayer. Please bow your heads. Close your eyes as we come before the Lord in Jesus' name. Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I give you praise. I give you glory. And I thank you for the opportunity to share this very simple message with this precious group of people that are now in this house to say, I pray, Lord God, if anyone here today has not made a decision to follow you with all their heart, soul, mind, and body, I pray, Lord God, that they will today. If anyone is in this house today that has followed you in days gone by, but now some way they've wandered, they strayed, whatever you want to call it, Father God, they're not right with you today in their heart and their life, and they'd like to make things right, I pray touch their hearts and lives as well. And Father, I pray, God, that you minister each and every one that's viewing, uh, Lord God, on this online stream today, every person that is watching. Every person is taking part of the service. Touch all their hearts and lives. Everyone is important and valuable to you. And so, Lord, I give you praise. I give you glory in all that you do. And I thank you, Lord God. Every head bow, every eye closed. If you're here today and you've never received Jesus as Lord and Savior, never received him, never made him the Lord of your life, or else you received Jesus, and yet somehow you sort of strayed away from that place, and you'd like to rededicate or recommit your life to the Lord today, like to come back into that place of beautiful fellowship between you and the Lord. If you're there for any of those reasons and any of those things going on in your life, things aren't right between you and God, and you'd like me to pray for you, pray with you, I'd be happy to do that. Nobody's going to embarrass you or any kind of thing like that. i got some free stuff I'm going to give you. In fact, I'll give you a book that talks about how to live your life uh, for the Lord Jesus. It's completely free. Everything we got is free. It doesn't cost you anything. But if you're here today and things aren't right between you and God, and you know they aren't right, you know it. I don't have to examine your heart or life. That's between you and God. But you know they're not right between you and God. And you let me pray with you and for you this day. And you're in the house today. Would you just slip up your hand and just wave it at me and say, Hey, hey, Pastor, that's me. Would you pray for me today? Would you pray for me today? Anywhere in this house, come on, come on, come on. Be a, be a man or woman before God. Be strong. Be bold before Him. Make your decision for Christ today. If there's anyone in this house that's not, not serving God today, in Jesus' name, anyone in Jesus' name. If you're online stream, if you're not serving God as well, make your decision. Make your decision to follow him today. In fact, let's all just pray this prayer of commitment together all through the whole house. Would you just stretch your hand up toward heaven? Come, everybody in the whole house, would you do this? Stretch your hand toward heaven. Say, Dear Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. You know my life. You know my heart. You know how I live. You know what I do. You know what I fail to do. Lord God, I am before you, and you see me clearly. Lord God, look into my life, anything you find there. That is not like Jesus. Please take it away. Wash it from me. Purge me and cleanse me from all unrighteousness and all sin. Lord God, I give my life to you to follow you wholly and completely. 
never leaving you, always staying by your side, as you never leave me and always stay by my side. I give you praise, Almighty God. I'll follow you all the days of my life. Now, Father God, I pray, fill me, O God, with your Holy Spirit to overflowing. May I be led by the Spirit, guided by the Spirit, walking and living in the Spirit of God. And I give you praise and glory. Father God, I give you glory. Touch my body from my head to my toe. In Jesus' name, may there be healing virtue that flows through me now to wash away all sickness, all disease, anything that hurts or harms my physical body. I give it to you for your glory, for my body is the temple of the Holy Ghost of God. And I give it to you, Lord, fully and wholly and completely in the wonderful name of Jesus. Say this, say, Father God, thank you for the revelation of just who you made me to be. I will live according to your will and your word and your revelation of me this day. In the name of Jesus, somebody say hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. God bless you, God bless you. Thank you for listening to this faith-filled message. Please connect with us at our website, gospeltabernaclechurch.com, so we can continue to be a part of your faith walk. And if you're listening today and you've never made Jesus Lord of your life, now is the time to do that. Now, today, is the day of salvation. Pray this prayer with me. Dear Father, I believe you sent your only begotten Son, Jesus Christ, to die for my sins on the cross. And you have raised him from the dead that I might be alive in him. Jesus, I confess you are Lord of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer, welcome. You're now in the family of God. You're a child of God. Connect with us. Let us know if you prayed that prayer. We want to be right there alongside you as you walk out this journey of faith in Christ. God bless you.